Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Uh, I knew going in that I probably wasn't going to be the most skilled player on the team. I definitely wasn't going to be the most athletic player on the team. So I really had to get in the mindset of, of what I could do to help the team be successful. And uh, there was many uh, times where it was uh, talks with the assistant coaches on what uh, they saw that I could do to help us be successful. And then really just tried to mold my game around that so I could get playing time. Cause I mean, honestly, I mean, nobody wants to sit on the bench. Welcome to 94 and More, presented by Bristol Studio. While a basketball court might be 94 feet, we believe it's limiting to solely look at this beautiful game as a sport. In our minds, it's closer to an art form, even a tool through which we can study the world and learn about ourselves. I'm your host, Jake Fenster, and on this podcast, we will explore the game of basketball, not only as a sport, but as a dynamic force that influences culture, builds bridges, and has the ability to shape our national conversation. Hope you enjoy. As always, feel free to reach out to us at 94 at bristol-studio.com and follow us on Instagram at Bristol Studio and at 94 and more podcast. All right, let's get into the show. Today, our guest is Austin Reeves. Austin, thanks for joining the show. Yes, sir. Thank y'all for having me. How has everything been for you? you? You're now in LA. You're in the middle of training camp. Kind of talk us through what your day-to-day looks like right now. Yeah, usually um, we wake up probably around like 7.15, 7.30. I mean, get to the gym around 8, eat breakfast, and then do some type of like weight training. And then practice, uh, there's been one day where we had two a days. Um, we've only done that once. Uh, I think I think it got <laughs> there, but, uh, a couple times. But now we, we practice hard for, I mean, a good hour, 32 hours. Uh, first day, I think we went for two and a half. And then we had a... a to come back later that night and shoot and do run through some offensive stuff. But it's been crazy. It's been a good experience, though, so far. Uh, Austin, you know, first I want to say congratulations on the, the contract and all the guys listening and tuning in. It'll be, you know, really impertinent of, of us if we didn't say congratulations. Absolutely. Yeah, man. We Congrats. also, my co-host, Jake, is also a huge Lakers fan. <laughs> Unbelievably biased to the Lakers. So we got to no, I, I stay neutral. <laughs> I stay no, neutral. Don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're about as far left Lakers as it gets. But uh, also, tell me, you know, even going back to playing in summer league with me with the Lakers, um, tell me what it feels like to you to be able to put on the purple and gold and like what wearing that Lakers means. Yeah, I mean, um, I've told this story a couple times, but throughout the whole draft process, um, I had probably 16, 17 workouts. So I worked out with, you know, half of the teams uh, more than the usual person does, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come to LA. I only worked out with the Lakers. I didn't work out with the Clippers, but good, good. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I walked into the the facility here. Um, it just had a different feel. Um, growing up, I mean, just just watching yeah. basketball and knowing the past of, I mean, the Lakers and the the legacy that uh, the organization holds. I mean, it's crazy, and just to have the opportunity to put. Um, the jersey on every day and go to work with. I mean, shoot, we got six. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Sparky more. Um, right. But 
it, it's, it's really insane just seeing the IQ that these guys have that's been around the game for so long. I mean, it, it's really special for me just to be able to be a sponge and really just ask questions and listen and better myself in basketball. Yeah, man. I mean, it really is amazing. And, you know, congratulations to you. I want to get more into your early days. But before I do that, I just want to ask what that moment was like for you when you went from a two-way contract to, a, you know, signing an actual NBA contract. Um, what, what did that feel like? And, and, and what does it now feel like being an NBA player? Has that set in yet? Uh, I don't know if I would say it has yet, um, just because, I mean, I think it's still just spinning through mm -hmm. my mind that it actually happened. Uh, we went to the, yeah. uh, the two ways we were fortunate to go to the, the little mini camp that, uh, we had in Vegas, uh, that Brian put on and went down there and just got to know the guys. And then, uh, that Sunday, um, Rob wanted to, to get on a FaceTime or a zoom with, me and my agent that's when I got the news and it was literally like I, yeah. I had no age. like he said it and I, I don't even know if I said thank you because like <laughs> so like they, they were just caught but uh it was it was a special moment uh a lot of emotions a lot of joy I mean coming from where I come from not a lot of people get this opportunity so really just a lot of joy in it yeah man well again can't be said enough congratulations and Perfect that you brought up where you're from, because that's where I want to start off. You're from Arkansas, from Newark, Arkansas, right? Yep, yep. So talk us through what that looks like versus being in Los Angeles. Well, you, could, you can't even imagine it out <laughs> here. Um, you know, it's literally the middle of nowhere. I mean, I, I didn't have neighbors growing up. I grew up on a farm. <laughs> the population of the town was 1,200 people. I graduated with 52, so... Literally, everybody knows everybody. Um, like I said, I had no neighbors. Closest neighbor that I had before my grandpa passed away um, was him and his house. You couldn't even see it from my house. So it's literally wow. like it's literally like you're out there in the middle middle of nowhere by yourself. A lot of trees, a lot of a lot of land, and um, out here you you have none of that. It's uh, tra <laughs> traffic definitely by far the worst thing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it's yeah, and um, yeah, it's just two totally different places. So growing up back there in Arkansas, what kind of tell, walk us through like your early days of basketball and and what basketball meant for you growing up? Like, how did you even get involved with the sport? Yeah, so both of my parents played at Arkansas State um, in Arkansas, okay. so it was kind of in the family. But uh, when I was younger, well, they didn't just play; they were very good. Yeah, my, so. my my dad was my dad was a good point guard. My mom could score, so yeah, they were <laughs> they were solid. But uh, before basketball, I really played baseball, and that's what everybody thought that um, I was gonna do. So I really didn't have passion for basketball until probably my I don't know, probably my eighth grade year. I had played, but it was just something everybody else played really. Mm -hmm. um, right. But. It was baseball until probably my eighth grade year, and then my dad had told me that I needed to pick a sport and try to pursue a career, get my school paid for uh, at the least. Uh, I picked basketball because it was more up pace. I got burned out on baseball. I played too much. Um, but it really started in eighth grade. I remember my brother dragging me out of the house um, to go to the gym, and I was basically like, why are we like, why are we doing this? There's, there's many other things that I could be doing that – 
uh, I would rather be doing, but he knew that it was going to uh, take a lot of uh, hours in the gym for us to be able to be successful. I mean, Small yeah. I, it, and speak to, you know, that, that shift, right? So you go from being a baseball player and it's a totally different uh, training process and experience. And now you're shifting into basketball. Um, did that take you some time to kind of adjust to that like different lifestyle and um, kind of like, training mentality that goes with basketball? Uh, it, it really wasn't like that for me because I didn't really like train in either one of them. I really just played for fun. And then mm. when it got to probably my eighth grade year, ninth grade year, um, is really when I started training more and more just because my brother was, uh, I'm not going to say forcing me, but uh, basically <laughs> out of the house to go to the gym and really just mm. explaining to me that, that this is what it was going to take for, for me to be successful. Mm-hmm. Austin, there's always a, a point in um, players' like careers when basketball, you know, makes that switch, right? Like we're playing with our friends and our homies and it's all a fun and game. But there's always mm-hmm. a year or a moment where you just kind of like it gets serious, like where basketball is no longer just, you know, your regular pastime, where it's almost like something that really is going to help you take that next step. When do you think that kind of happened for you? Uh, I think it was probably my 10th to 11th grade summer. I had shoulder surgery, so I was out for, I don't know, probably three or four what months. What did you do? Uh, I tore my labrum, so I had that ah, surgery. Shit, I tore Oof. both of my fucking labrums. Same. same. Yeah. Uh, it's horrible, but I had surgery on it, and it was it was the, the time that I couldn't play. Like, I would I would go I, to the gym, mm-hmm. and I would be pissed off all, all day because I couldn't play. Mm-hmm. And then that really got me in the mentality of uh, when I was able to play to really just go back and, and put in the work. I mean, I sacrificed a lot of nights going and hanging out with my friends, going and doing other stuff to, to go to the gym. I mean, two to three times a day just to, you know, put in that sacrifice to, to really make myself better and give myself an opportunity to be where I'm at. I just wanted to kind of read off some of the things that you did accomplish in high school that kind of shows you were already doing something totally different than most kids. Like you correct me if I'm wrong. You won three state championships. Yep. Okay. Three, you scored 73 points in a game, yep. which All is right, wild. <laughs> and then you averaged. That's, I guess St. Mary's of the blind. Who, who are you playing? You I, I was trying to say, and then you, <laughs> you averaged 32 and a half points your senior year. So the crazy thing was in the 73 point game, I heard your little comment, the back big, I mean, the thing was actually like, <laughs> winning they ended up winning state for their classification that year uh five or like we were three a um so everybody always says that but they were actually a good team just defensively they were really bad they could score with the best of them oh Um, yeah so what they just full court pressed the whole time and just ran two at the ball and i shot i think i shot 39 free throws that game oh Oh, my god oh my god so what what was that like for you, that high school experience, kind of looking back on all that success? You know, what does that mean to you now? And like, how did that, uh, you know, push you to that next level? Yeah, I mean, looking back now, it's, it's some of the uh, the most fun basketball I've had playing. I mean, you play with guys that you've, you've grown up around mm-hmm. that have been your best friend since, I mean, grade school. So really just the passion and the, the, the connection um, on and off the court is probably like, technically my favorite part of basketball like my favorite time of playing basketball um and all the success I mean it was just I mean I put in the work um 
I was the only person in the gym multiple times a day. Uh, besides my brother, when he left uh, after my sophomore year, he was two years older than me. It was just me going to the gym at night. So really just um, looking back, just just thinking that I that I earned all of that, that it didn't just happen, that I that I put in the work to to make all of it happen. And I mean, it was just a really special career. It sounds like you and your brother were super close. It sounds like he's like a big part of your development and just a family member. Uh, is he your role model or is he someone that you looked up to when you were growing up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he always uh, set the right example. He was never in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. Really just just put a good uh, foot forward for me to, to follow and really just, I'm not going to say be like him because we're, we're totally different, but in the aspect of basketball and, and doing what it takes to help yourself be successful, mm-hmm. put a good uh, model in for me to, to follow. Have you been able to share this moment with him, you know, since everything has happened for you and, and now being in Los Angeles, have you guys been able to uh, spend some time together out here or, or is he back home or, or traveling somewhere? So he actually, he plays basketball in Germany um, and he's there right now. So when I got off the phone, when I got off the Zoom with Rob, my agent, uh, he was the first person I called and it was, <laughs> it was a special moment. I mean, he, yeah. he, I think he got up out of his chair, started yelling and stuff like that. But uh, he was definitely the first person I called just because, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be in this situation anyway. No, that's that's special. And, and I think it's always important to celebrate those moments and to cherish it for sure, because it's early in your journey. But still, you know, that's an exciting moment. Um, I want to go back to your senior year in high school. Uh, what was your experience like with recruiting for college? Uh, so I didn't have many offers. Uh, I only played one year at AAU, so that's, I think, what limited most of the, the offering now because, I mean, now I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of the offering comes from AAU if you don't play were you on that, uh Were you on the team that uh, Archie Goodwin was on and Malik no. Monk? Is that the Arkansas I, team? I was, I was on a Wings team, but it wasn't the UIBL team. It was just a hand-picked team. Um, Got it. One of the coaches went out of their way to do uh, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was very minimum. I think I had probably at the end of the end of my senior year, I probably had three or four scholarship offers. Um, one being Wichita State, where I went, and then South Dakota State, Montana State, and Arkansas State says they offer, but I don't think they ever did. But I mean, that's um. So that's, how did you end up then choosing Wichita State? What was that like? Uh, what were those conversations like? What were you looking for in a school? Yeah, so me, I mean, at that point, I was just hoping to get to a school. I mean, it was I wasn't being picky yeah. with what it was, where it was, and stuff like that. I just wanted the opportunity <laughs> to play. But with Wichita, I mean, the years before I got there, I think the the year before was the 35 and one season where there was a one season mm. tournament. Um, Final Four, I think a couple of years before that. So they had really good years and was a program that, I mean, was a mid-major, but was considered a, a high major and really competed with the best teams in the country. So it was really a no-brainer uh, when I got the offer from there. I mean, I really jumped on it as soon as I possibly could have. What, uh, what was Wichita State like? Like, did, What do you think you learned from there? I'm sure going from that small town of Newark, Arkansas, and then going to Wichita State, you know, a decently sized mid-major, it must have been something different that you had to get adjusted to. Yeah, for sure. And it was really just buying into a role. Um, mm-hmm. I knew going in because I so I graduated high school at 17. So I was young for my grade. Uh, I knew going in that 
I probably wasn't going to be the most skilled player on the team. I definitely wasn't going to be the most athletic player on the team. So I really had to get in the mindset of, of what I could do to help the team be successful. And uh, there was many uh, times where it was uh, talks with the assistant coaches on what uh, they saw that I could do to help us be successful. And then really just tried to mold my game around that so I could get playing time because I mean, honestly, I mean, nobody wants to sit on the bench. So I really just yeah. no, for sure. bought into that role and did what did what I had to do to to help the team be successful. Well, you had some sneaky moments now in summer league, though. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you did say you weren't athletic, but you had some. Jake, uh, I was, you're not going to be the new Caruso, are you? That's what, no, nah, I don't say. You're not going to throw your body around on the floor and, and sacrifice your uh, your health out there? Go flying into the stands? Hey, I, I'll do whatever. If I, if I can play <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that's that's the right mentality you're, you're a glue guy um just like me uh, so going back to wichita state in your if you're in your, in your time there you had shoulder issues still right so you had shoulder surgery for a torn labrum and then you had another one at wichita yep. state yeah what was that like you know finally being in that situation playing college basketball and then suffering, you know, going through that, having to have surgery and take time off and, and kind of navigate that at a young age. Yeah. I mean, it sucked, uh, but I had been through it before with the first one. So it was kind of like, I already knew what the process was going to be like. Uh, and like I said, it sucked and nobody wants to set out for that amount of time uh, without being able to touch a ball. But like I said, I knew what the process was going to be like. I yeah. knew what it was take for me to get back to, to where I was and, and potentially go further. Uh, so really, I mean, it was all, it was all here. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to stay mentally strong and mentally prepared. And, you know, there's a lot of things you can do um, even while sitting out to, to better yourself. If it's watching film, just picking up on little things that the coaches do and don't like, uh, during practice so when you come back that, that you don't do those things that they don't like so you don't have to run yeah. <laughs> for sure I remember you telling me us talking in summer league and you describing the way you played at Wichita State being primarily just a shooter right and, and having the opportunity to play with you and, and seeing you now you definitely have evolved into much more than just a shooter when do you think and I especially as like a college player I know how easy it is for a college coach to say this is what you are I just want you to do this and you'll play like I just need you to do this when do you think you snapped out of that and kind of were like you know I'm more than just that I'm going to expand upon my game uh it was really when I transferred um I knew what I wanted to be um and knew what I was capable of doing but like I said earlier I was going to buy into whatever role that that helped our team be successful and helped me get minutes so Mm -hmm. Uh, my whole two years at Wichita, like I was like, I mean, screw it, I'll I'll do this, but it's not it's not really who I am and like what I really can do. So when I transferred, right. the first time we played pickup, like I was out there, you know, just playing my game. And after pickup, we went back in the locker room and we had played uh, Oklahoma the two years uh, while I was at Wichita, mm-hmm. and literally the guy that was on the team uh, while we was playing them was like, dude, we didn't even know you could dribble. And it was, I was like, 
so really when I when I transferred, it was like this is an opportunity for me to to really be more of myself. And I mean, I knew with Coach Kruger, with him being a players coach, that I mean he was gonna allow me to really just be myself. So for you, the, the transition to Oklahoma really kind of just gave you a fresh start and the opportunity to explore your game and, and just kind of get comfortable in your own skin at that level. Um, for you, was there a moment that you kind of remember when you were out there on the floor that you were like, oh, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm really here. I'm really comfortable. This is all that work coming together. And, and I'm feeling like this is something that I can really, uh, you know, succeed at. Yeah, was there a so moment for you? I would say my red shirt year. So I had the red shirt my first year at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And so, like, scout team all year, of course. Uh, and there were business, I mean, scout where uh, we were playing really well as a scout team. And, I mean, I remember one day I was walking out to my car and coach came up to me. And, I mean, you know, Coach Kruger's a – he's been around for a while. He's seen a lot of really good players. He's put guys in the NBA. I mean, he's been successful and knows what real talent's like came up to me and, and basically told me, he was like, I, I believe you got a chance. And that was really the first time that I was like, damn, like I could really, really do. I've always thought it, but it was like this, this person it's real with, with the resume yeah. that he has with the guys that he's been mm -hmm. around said it. I was just like, okay, like it is paints a better picture for me. So I want to just call this out because I don't watch enough college basketball. I would watch when Vic was playing and I watched March Madness every year. I watched you in March Madness and that game against Gonzaga. And you went off. You had 27 points. And you were just – and, and they, to me, that was a team that looked unbeatable, right, from, from just being – I guess our boy Joel? Yep. They looked yeah. unbeatable. <laughs> what, was that, what was that like for you to be um, on that stage? Because clearly you, you showed up. You know, you played hard. You played your game. And you were clearly comfortable. Yeah, so – in high school, the the one year I played AAU, Gonzaga, one of their assistant coaches reached out to me um, for probably like two months straight and then just cut it off. And like that was like my realistic dream oh, school. Okay. In North Carolina, like North Carolina was my school just because like that's what I liked growing up. But like me being realistic, like uh, I kind of knew coming from where I was coming from that it wasn't really an opportunity. But um, talking to Gonzaga for a while and things like that, um, I would say it added a little bit of fire to the game. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, we was down our second leading score um, due to COVID. So I knew going into the game that I was going to have to be ultra aggressive uh, for mm -hmm. us to have, I mean, playing against a team like that. Uh, so I really wanted to lay everything out on the line and just give it everything. And you did for sure. What – I know Vic has his experience with March Madness and we've kind of heard for him what that was like. What was it like for you I to mean, kind Gonzaga of be I mean, Gonzaga probably that? cheated him too, Jake. I'm yeah. not going to – they got they got a lot of calls. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you – yeah, I let, I let Joel hear about it a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> whistle. I know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm just curious what that was like for you to kind of be in that arena, in that environment, something that we all watched growing up. You know, did it – just did you have a moment to even take it in or was it just so fast that you were, you know, playing and it was over before you knew it? Yeah, I would think it, it was more so after um, – like when I went home and and relaxed for a bit, because uh, I was fortunate enough, my freshman and sophomore year, we went to the tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, junior year was going to have a really good opportunity to go to the tournament, but COVID. 
uh, and then was was fortunate for this last year to go to the tournament. But it's, I mean, like you said, every every kid grows up watching and every kid grows up wanting to be a part of uh, one yeah. shining end. I mean, uh, it's iconic. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely special, but I think during the during it, while you're in it, it's more of let's do this, let's play, let's, let's, let's rock out. And afterwards is more of the time that you can sit down and really think about like, Oh, I was really, really in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I don't want to bring it back to your um, hometown, but are you like a hometown hero now? You know, you kind of said everyone knows be. everybody. It has to be. Yeah, for with your high school career and, and leading to college and now this contract, are you – like, have you been home since you signed the contract? And have you been like – I don't know, have your parents kind of said, you know, everyone's just so proud and, and excited for you? Yeah, I would say – I would say I am. I haven't been home yet. Um, but, mm-hmm. but my parents definitely they, – they hear about it every time they go out somewhere. Like, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, my mom tries – my mom's a lot like me, likes to, you know, stay to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I really talked to many people, but she's like, I can't even really go to Walmart without four or five people coming. <laughs> oh, just, I mean, congratulations, but, um, yeah, yeah so it's, it's definitely, it's like that. That's, that's awesome, man. That's amazing. I'm sure that'll be a really special moment when you do go home. Um, let's, let's move on to the pre-draft process when you decided to declare what went into your decision and just take us through that whole experience draft night. And when you got the call. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was just in school way too long. <laughs> not a not a fan of school, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I I had paid my dues, and I would, felt like I was um, it put up the good enough numbers and was able to to go out and really just yeah. I mean, all, all one team. All it takes is one team to really like you. And I went through the whole pre-draft thing and worked out for like I said, sixteen teams. <laughs> So like yeah. I was I was out there, you know, just competing and really just being myself and then draft night comes around and didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. But I mean, it's it's not it the worked end of out. The, yeah, you yeah. you can't I mean basically give up just because you didn't get drafted. Um so before the draft, the night before, the Lakers had called and was like, if for some reason I'd go undrafted that they want to be the first place that is like, we got a two way for you. And so going into the draft that we knew that um, I was going to have a two way contract shot, yeah. at LA mm-hmm. was a good place because of yeah. I mean, contract stuff and, and things like mm-hmm. that. So going into the draft, we didn't have to really press. Uh, I think Detroit called it like 41 or two, whichever pick they had was like, we'll take, we'll take them on a two-way and it was really just more of a situation of where I wanted to be, where uh, we saw the best fit. Um, So really just uh, playing, playing the cards right. And then just getting to this situation now, I mean, just come in and put in the work. I got rewarded. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that your story is a great testament to like what you said, putting in the work, you know, along the way might not have gone how you would have wanted it to, but you're still, it worked itself out because you stayed true. You stayed Definitely. on the journey. You kept working through it. And here you are, you went undrafted, but you have an NBA contract. For so, sure. and you didn't, there was very little time in between too. So yeah, it was clearly, month, two months, clearly yeah. you did something right, you know, to, to earn it. You didn't just get it. You earned it. Um, what is it like for you to be in a locker room 
or it hasn't, maybe not yet, but even just being in the gym with these guys. I mean, you're in the gym with LeBron, Carmelo Anthony, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, Russ, like all these guys that we grew up, you know, watching. Yep. What is that like? It's insane. I mean, um, I touched on the Vegas trip uh, earlier. Um, We got in the gym a couple times and then ran over through a few things. I mean, it really just, I remember the first drill we did, we broke down into uh, three or four groups or whatever, but I remember Brian was in my group and he passed me the ball. (laughs) 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 Gifted to me. Like, it was just one of those that it's like, like you said, grew up watching these guys we grew up I mean you know wanting to be like these guys and and mm-hmm. with the guys that we have on the team six hall of famers uh like I said the the IQ I mean I consider myself to be a, a pretty high IQ guy and these guys is like I'm way down here so yeah uh, special I mean the first couple times there was definitely like jitters I mean just being out there with those guys but now it's just I mean straight to basketball and like uh, they they want us to be successful and they'll they'll stick their hand out and like offer advice uh, and help in all situations which is special what uh in your short time there so far what's been your your favorite memory of uh or experience with those guys um i would say my favorite thing is literally i asked rondo literally a question every probably five minutes <laughs> he's probably like, <laughs> He's probably like, get this mother, get this dude out of here. Like, I've asked him so many questions just because, like, I mean, it's Rondo, uh, mm-hmm. one of the, the highest IQ guys. Um, yeah. He's made a living off of being that way um, and, and it's had a really successful career. So I would say that's been my favorite thing. And then other than that, uh, shoot, uh, really just seeing how, like, they approach the game and, and the mentalities they have while – also having fun with it it's not they don't drill it to where it's like it is is not fun um they always enjoy being in the gym and getting better right for for you what are some of your goals for this year personally yeah um really just do whatever it takes to to see time on the floor and, and just get better every day um i have the the luxury of like I said, playing with these guys that have that have been around the league for for a long time, and like I said, uh, they want to help. They want to. They want you to ask questions. They want you to to really uh, put yourself in those situations uh, to learn. Uh, so that's really the the biggest thing for this year is just uh, being a sponge and, and taking it all in. I mean, because. Like I've said multiple times, there's these guys are they're crazy IQ guys that have yep. believed for a long time. Yeah, man. Well, it's gonna be a fun year for sure. I'm excited about it. I'm sure you are you probably can't even sleep at night. You're probably so excited about it. Yep. Vic Vic's not too happy with the Lakers and you know he's not a big fan. No, I'm he's super excited for Austin though. Now, He's excited be, for, yeah, you're excited I'll for Austin, Austin your team. I appreciate it. I can't wait. Man, yeah. I can't wait to to text him midseason and see what house in Westwood he's bought, see if he's gotten the Lambo, <laughs> see what he's <laughs> see what he's see what he's saving up for. I know you always got something to say. It looks I don't like know if he'll be in Westwood. Hotel, so I don't I know about Westwood. I know, I know he's yeah. looking, Jake. Looking for an apartment right now. I mean, the plan was being on the two-way, um, I was going to stay here all year because yeah. it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Gonna stay- and now you got the NBA contract. 
now they're kicking me out. So I've got to find an apartment soon. I've been looking, but yeah, I mean, I can't complain. Go yeah, we got two good real estate guys. With the I was going to say, if you need help. any help with anything, uh, you know, if you have any questions about location or like anything at all, I grew up, you know, I grew up in LA. This is where I'm from. So if there's anything that you need help with, I'm sure you don't, you probably got a million people, but if you need like a local sandwich spot or something that no one knows about, I got you. For sure. For sure. Of course. Um, we don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're busy. Vic, you want to hit him with our question? Our famous. Oh question. yeah. We always have to. Oh, thank God. I almost forgot. I knew so, I saw in your uh, eyes. You weren't going to ask. Oh man. Thank God. Now he's on the Lakers. He's playing with some guys, man. He, he, he's a, you know, he's a tight spot. So yeah, Austin, in all our conversations, you know, all our basketball guys, we ask, name your top four basketball players of all time. And you can't, you know, sugarcoat and go around the bush and say, ah, no particular order. We want to hear one, one two, one, three, one four. four. This is where I got them. Or you can go four to one. You can do it however you want. Okay. Uh, I'll go I'll one do to four, four to one. Okay, okay. Uh, all right. Four just because I'll have to think about the last one or two maybe. All right, I won't show my face. Go ahead. You can just say. <laughs> so, so, I mean, Vic's number one, definitely. Oh, that's the right answer. <laughs> no, uh, I definitely got to like go. One? I definitely got to go LeBron Jordan. And it's not always been like that. Uh, I think the longevity is as. Um, so you're Hillbilly Kobe. That answer's going to make him that's some your, more money, Jake. That's your that nickname. It's Hillbilly Kobe. <laughs> That's what they say. I, and, you, I, and you don't have Kobe as number one? never called myself that, and I probably never will. <laughs> Who gave you that nickname? But Who gave you that nickname? Do what? Who gave you that nickname? Uh, it was a, a grad assistant in Oklahoma. His name's Anthony Reaney. He was just <laughs> one. It was, it's like my guy. Like, we're really good friends now. We was uh -huh. in practice. I think it was one of those days I was I was killing, and he mm -hmm. came up. Was, <laughs> was like, I figured it out. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? He was like, HBK. I was like, what? And he was like, Hillbilly Kobe. And I was like, oh. Nah, <laughs> it's no. going to stick. It's going to stick. One of the teammates heard it. It just went from there. And it was just like, oh. But, hey, like like I said, I'll never it's call Kobe. myself. It's whatever. But um, I know that I'm not ever going to be in, in Kobe's shoes or ever compare myself to Kobe because mm -hmm. I – He's definitely going to be on my list. Um, okay, I was gonna, I, that's what I was getting at. I had to make sure. Yeah. Um, so back to the list is LeBron Jordan for me. It, it, it's weird for me because, like, I don't like older people, like 80s. Like, I've never really watched them play, so I can't really, you know, put them in. Yeah, that's fine. Four. I'll go LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, and then – I'll say Shaq. Okay. I like that. I like that. Three Lakers. Three Lakers. Right. Three Lakers. I'm, I'm happy with it. Austin, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate you doing this. Uh, look forward to your season. Wish you the best and can't wait to have you back on in the future. No, nah, for sure. I appreciate y'all. Of course, man. Take care. Vic, Vic, be good, man. I, I know how you are. He's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it again. Of course. All right, man. Take care. Yep. You too. Vic, you, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. You froze, man. Yeah, you well, froze right shit. at the end. He's trying to say Austin was trying to say goodbye to you, and you did, froze. Did you not hear me say thing? No one, no one heard you say anything. Ah, well, shit. I got to text him. <laughs>
<laughs> he said, be well, be careful, or uh, stay out of trouble. Um, well, that was good. No, it was Austin's great. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. No, he's actually uh, super cool. Really, he's uh, really um, introverted, but, like, such a great dude. Uh, like, once you get him talking and get to know him, yeah. uh, you really learn, so, like, how cool he is. And I'm, I'm super excited for him uh, with the Lakers this season. I think he'll be – like, I think at some parts of the season, there'll be times when, obviously, everyone won't play. And yeah, I, I he'll think he'll actually sure. do really well. Like, I think he'll be a, a crowd favorite for the Lakers. Yeah. No, definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it all kind of unfold. Um, I want to transition to fantasy football. Now you beat I mean, how about, how about Maserati Mitch? And, Maserati Mitch is And I'm out here. Around. And you know what the catalyst was? Charlie <laughs> Hall, who's been on this show okay. twice, right. said to me that I am the worst GM and my team mm-hmm. sucks. Okay. As soon as he said that, my team sucks. Hold on, Jake. Hold on, Jake. Hold on, let's, let's preface this by saying we have a fantasy football league that both Jake and I are in. Week one. My team trumps Jake's, obviously, but his Rams like beat the Bears. Couple points. That was that was the that was the kicker. But since then, Jake has miraculously turned it around and is the highest scoring team in fantasy. Tell us how you did. And I and I just want to say that I am a good GM. I made great decisions. I put Gronk in week two. Took Mark Andrews out. Gronk went off. Yeah, Mark Andrews has not been good. He's gone off both weeks for me. And then the biggest. The best draft I draft picked I had that I, no one wanted was Mike Williams. Yeah, he's killing the Chargers. Yeah, he has better. been murdering he's your in flex. my flex position. He's my flex, and he has been unbelievable, winning Is me. Calvin ball Ridley playing good. He had a good week, and Derrick Henry also put up like forty-five points last week okay. or two weeks. Well, ago. yeah, Mike oh. Williams is number two in receivers right now. It's still early. He- it's only week it's, early. It's, it's early. early. it's early. It's early. I'm knocking on wood. But I just want to say that Charlie Hall said that to my face. And then the next week I beat him. So he did. Okay. That's true. Just, that's what happens. But, but here's two, you know, here's two points. I'm going to say one, I beat you. Yeah, week one, and my team is still flying. We had to lose to bounce back. We're, we're we projected to win this week. Roger. Okay. True. Yeah. Yeah. You had to, you had to tighten some things up and a loss helped that. But I will say you're in a you're in a dog fight this week with Anthony. I know. The projections know. are Jake 126.4, Anthony 126.9. Oh, so I hate let's it. let's see I hate let's it. see if you make some adjustments and, and get back right. You got Gronkowski sitting this week though. Yeah, because he just got listed as doubtful. Uh did he? What'd he do? Yeah. Uh his ribs. Ah, uh, well, let's I see. Let's see if you can bounce it back. I, I don't know. We'll Here, here's one thing though. I'll trade you. Somebody for Robert Woods. I tell you that. No, I don't want Robert Woods. You know he's not doing good. You know what's really funny is I was remember cool. how I was trying to get Trey. What's his name? Uh, Sermon, the guy from the Niners. Yeah. The back. So yeah. Remember how I was asking Henry for him, and I offered mm-hmm. Henry a stake of my winnings. He yeah. turned me down. Mm-hmm. And then the other day, he he sneakily sends me a trade request. Sneakily, Sermon. <laughs> And one other guy, he, no text, no nothing, just sends it through ESPN. Sermon and another running back for Calvin Ridley or something, and I just ignored it. I was like, you know what? Well, I'll give you Odell for Calvin Ridley. I don't know if I want that. I, I don't want this on the spot. I can't make this decision. I'm a good GM. I got to sit with it. I got to think about it. Wow, you got to sit with it a day before the game starts. I don't make impulsive decisions with my fantasy team. I got to sit with it. You know, I, I made a great pickup last week, and I, or not even last week. Week one, and I haven't played the guy. I picked up Cordero Patterson. Haven't played. Oh yeah, he's killing it. Been killing. Yeah, I just don't play him. I play Mike Davis, Atlanta. 
Atlanta. Yeah, he's been killing I have it. Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson, and I keep playing Mike Davis over Cordero. And I'm not saying it's a, a bad move, but I'm tired of looking at my bench and saying he's having 19, 20 points every every week. Yeah. I just, you know, football's back. It's so back, and I'm I'm just happy with my Rams, and I'm happy with Matthew Stafford looking like an MVP right now. He looks great. I'm happy with it. He looks fantastic. We should have bet. We, we should have bet, bet on him leading the league in passing yards. It was, I think, thirteen to one, and we should have bet on it. And now he looks like he, him, and Dak Prescott look like they might be the favorites for it. He's thrown seventy-yard touchdowns to Deshaun Jackson and Cooper Cup. Okay, like that happened one time. Out. I'm Deshaun Jackson has caught one like, pass all season. But no, but I, okay. Well, and Cooper Cup has a lot of touchdowns, like deep ball. I mean, it's it's easy Cooper for him. Cup's it's looking great, easy. but don't try to throw one Deshaun Jackson in there. I tried to throw him in. I'm trying to get him for the podcast. And you're over here, you know, let me hype him up. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll throw him in then. Yeah, throw him in. If we're going to get him in, hype him up. <laughs> I want, I want to see Bennett get out there. He had two tackles with special teams. Is he yeah, back? He's to follow him. Yeah, yeah, he's playing. He got, a, he got in for a couple couple plays last week. He had two special team tackles. And, you know, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I'm, I'm hoping at some point he gets yeah. an opportunity or something uh, where he can get out there. Can we talk we about Matt to, Nagy? Go ahead. Sorry, before we get into that, we should do like a round table thing where we go back on all the guests that have been on our show mm-hmm. yeah. that are playing and see where they are and what they're doing. Because I've been seeing a lot of coverage on Miles Boykin um, okay. for the Ravens. And then obviously mm-hmm. Bennett is playing for the Rams. Yeah. We got Austin. We got all these guys. We should definitely check Justin in on had all 55 them yards last season. Week. How about us starting off in, on Ringer and, and that just holding? I know. We got to get that interview back with Justin. Justin Jackson. We'll get it back. We'll get it back. But, but you were talking about Matt, Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy, is he first coach fired this year? I'm happy I was in Australia and asleep during the game because I didn't see that, it. I'm in Australia. But I, I just heard it was the worst, worst yeah. game yeah. that anyone's put together. How many yards did they average per play? They, was it like, they, their net yardage was 47 yards. And so I, I made yeah. a list. I actually did it. I, I went on. I watched a ton of like I watched Get Up. I watched a ton of um, different uh, shows. Yeah. I read up about it. And, and apparently, like here's the three main points. One, the game plan yeah. against yeah. the Browns were, were just abysmal, right? Yeah. He had so much time. I think uh, Orlovsky said around 147 days to yeah, help to game plan prepare Justin for yep. Justin Fields, right? Because you you're thinking as a Bears fan that at some point you're going to play Justin Fields. Like, at some point, he's going to get in because Andy Dalton mm-hmm. is not the quarterback that, you know, we want for the future, right? I don't yeah. even care if he's, like, playing outstanding. He's not playing yeah. the whole season. So, at some point, you're going to have to, like, you have to have this stuff somewhat ready because Justin Fields is going to inevitably play. And for the Bears, from what I've read, because, I, you know, again, I, I didn't watch the game. But for the Bears not to move the pocket, for them not to get Justin Fields on the run and get him moving and rolling out, just tell him sit back there against a good defensive line when time and time again, the cons of this Bears team, one of the biggest ones have been the offensive line. And to just have him sit back there and try to throw short routes is ridiculous. Like Justin Fields is a good quarterback who has a pretty good arm and is pretty accurate. So I don't understand what that game yeah. plan is. I don't understand why we don't give David Montgomery the ball at all. He's pretty, like he's good, and we just refuse to utilize him. We're just gonna throw on a little four yard routes and just put a ton of pressure on on the defense that seems old. Two Nagy for whatever reason, when Nagy was not the the offensive coordinator at the end of the season, Trubisky was better, and the Bears actually went on that little push 
that um, made the playoffs, right? Did we lost say, in the playoffs, you, but we made it. Did you just say Trubisky? Did you just say I Trubisky? Did. I did, and a lot of people now are saying it wasn't Trubisky's yeah, fault. Yeah, it's not his fault. <laughs> and I think it's 50-50. I think it's 50-50, though. I think, you know, it's 50. Yeah. I think, so what, from what I, I'm reading and kind of things I'm seeing, I feel like Nagy is making the quarterback play to how he wants to play instead of fixing the offense like, around the yeah. quarterback's skill sets. Yeah. And I want I want something to happen because the Bears are now sliding into a position, right? They had a little window there where they could have competed for a championship. When they had that defense, they just needed the offense to play well enough to hold the games. Now they're getting into a position where the defense is getting older and you almost have to rebuild, right? Like you have to fix the offensive line. You have to get Justin Fields ready. You got to get more playmakers out there besides Montgomery and Allen Robinson. And we still haven't seen Cole Komet. So I, I just I just want the Bears to do something. Like I want them to fully go into a direction and just go into that. If they're gonna rebuild, rebuild. If they're gonna try to win, put together some game plans they're gonna win. Don't just like yeah. half-ass it and just leave your guy out. It's tough to be a Bears fan right now. And you know, some could say it all started with that it week is. one loss. It's it all started with that week one loss to the Rams, you know. And I'm sorry on behalf of the Rams nation Our for starting this spiral. Rams. Until the fourth quarter, until the fourth quarter, offense was fine against the Rams. We were fine, Jake. Again, did I apologize. Win the game, no. But did 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 Team Law beat Maserati Mitch in Week One of Fantasy? We did by a, a long did. shot too. We we killed him. No, no. Darren Waller, no. Darren Waller versus Mark Andrews Monday night was outstanding. I'll let you have it. I'll let you have oh, come it. Come on, come on. And, you know, if it makes you feel better, yeah. then I'm all for it. But, but, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think it'll be a fun season. Let's transition this into um, baseball. Let's talk about your Dodgers. My White Sox yeah. just won El Central. Um, you what know, are we thinking about the, the playoffs in the World Series? My dad is convinced that the, the Dodgers are going to lose in the wild card game. He's convinced that – Why the, is that? I think they're going, against, they're going up against Wainwright, I think. I forget the pitcher for the Cardinals, who apparently yeah, we Wayne just Wright. haven't hit well against. And my dad is convinced that we're just going to blow it. It'll be like a great season that will just end one game against the wild card in the wild card uh, playing game. That's so right. That's, my dad because, that's because the Giants are just playing so well this season. So well. Have the Giants Every time we win, the, uh, the Giants division? win. I think Have so. Have they won the division yet? I think so. How many games left in the season? Oh, we, we, we got to have this stuff. There's only three more games left this season, and the. Uh, I think they're up two. Are they up two games? Yeah, they're two games. Yeah, and the Dodgers are two games back. Um, but yeah, let's look at the wild card. Yeah, Dodgers, Dodgers, Cardinals. That that's a one game playoff, right? Yep. Who, yep. who, who the Dodgers throw out there? Is it not Scherzer? I'm just asking. Who do you think the Dodgers? You're the Dodgers. Oh, guy. probably Dodgers probably Scherzer. I don't. Wa- I haven't been watching enough, but probably Scherzer. He's been pretty like pretty fucking good. Uh, but yeah, I think the I think they'll win. I think they're gonna have a deep run. So. I'm not as concerned as my dad, but my dad, my dad seemed pretty convinced that he thinks it's over. So we'll see. We'll see. How about your White Sox? They're uh, they're doing good. I mean, they, you know, they 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 didn't finish the year. I felt like on that strong of a note, and they won the last couple of games. They beat the, the Indians, but I felt like we we could have gotten closer to 100 wins. Uh, we let a couple slip. Um, I feel like our hitting will always be there. I think our hitting is fine. I feel like the base running has been okay. I'm a little worried about the the defense. I think the the pitching outside of two guys um, is somewhat shaky, but I think our pin our bullpen is good, and I think we got really good closers. So I'm I'm hoping once we get into the the, the second round, 
that I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm hoping that our bats give us at least four to five runs every game and our pitching can just hold it. So, it, yeah. I'm kind of relying on the it's offense. A, I'm, I'm really just it's hoping a great, batting. great time of year. We got playoff baseball, NBA starting up. Football's we got footballs footballs right in, in, in full swing. It, it's it is a great football. time. It's a great time, man. Well, I appreciate everyone who's listened to this point and listened to us talk about <laughs> LA Chicago sports. So if you're, you're right. listening, we really appreciate you. Uh, but Vic, man, it's your last day in quarantine. Or right, one more day. No, I got one more day. Today and tomorrow and I'm done. Are you what's the first thing you're gonna do when you get out and you're not obviously you're not gonna leave your hotel at midnight before your flight, but like when you're actually no. out of quarantine. Do you have something you're going to do, like, in mind? I'm going to get an Australian coffee. Food. I can't wait to get an Australian cafe mocha. I can't wait, Jake. It's, it's been on my that mind for about two weeks now. What's different really about the Australian one? What's different? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I know, like – Something in the beans? They take their – I know the cafe culture here is, is much more, like – like, it's much more important than America's. It's more passion and, and love. In, yeah, in like, people actually take time to, yeah, sit down and get a coffee, yeah. talk, and, like, relax. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know in Australia, like they like carefully make every coffee. Like it's not just, you get a, a, a black pitcher of coffee and then you add all the stuff in. No, they like the machine carefully makes it and then they kind of give present it to you. Right. It's like a whole thing. Uh, but I don't know. It's just made better. Like when I first got here and I asked for a coffee with cream and sugar, the guy was yeah. like, what the hell is that? Like, do you want a good coffee or do you just want like, you just want me to put yeah. coffee grounds in water and give it to you. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But exactly. it's, it is good. Like, I don't add any – like, when they give it to me, I add nothing to it. I just – it's good but enough as it to is. To be clear, to be clear, not to burst your bubble, a cafe mocha is basically sugar and, and cream. But it's like chocolate. Yep. It's like chocolate, chocolate, yep. and milk. With a little so, caffeine in there. Low caffeine. It's a, little With caffeine. a little bit of caffeine. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love a cafe mocha. But you're still drinking it. It's just a little That's all twist. I need. It's a little twist. That's all no, I need. I, I don't need that much. It sounds good. No, it sounds good. Well, I appreciate know, you, man. Appreciate you doing this. I know quarantine's probably got you going nuts, but you're almost out. Yeah, you know, I actually haven't been that bad this time. You know, the, the first one in Sydney was horrible, but you, but did, this call me, good. you did call me the first time. The first time, I'm, I'll never forget when you call me like... <laughs> man what is going on like what are you doing i'm like it's two o'clock what do you mean yeah bro, that like, i like, gotta get out of here day. <laughs> like, oh, yeah like, yeah like, nine days day oh, like, i'll never forget that i wish i recorded i should have recorded that the look in your eyes was different too i was hysterical i, I was tell. hysterical that i was like just don't Make it worse. Just say things that make it sound like it's almost over so he feels better. <laughs> but yeah, man. Right, appreciate cool. you. Hype, you hype Thank you, Jake. Get out of there. All right, man. Sure. Talk to you later. You'll be involved all the way. Easy. All right. This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio. Sound editing by Rashad Allen. Music by James Grissom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.